25, and uh, we're going to read verses 15 down through 22. There we go, right part for that. And uh, really getting to the issue here with Nabal and and, uh, all that's going on here after he has insulted David and... uh, uh, pulled his little stunt there and showed what kind of a, a clown he was. And uh, we end up seeing that Abigail definitely was uh, was no fool. Uh, she recognized the grave danger that they were all in. And so while uh, Nabal's off doing his own thing, and uh, I'm sure still partying a little too much there, uh, she decided that she was going to take matters into her own hands because uh, she knew David was most likely going to be taking matters into his own hands, and that's exactly what he was doing. So uh, let's go ahead and pick up here verse number 15. Uh, the Bible says, uh, But the men were very good unto us, uh, and we were not hurt, neither missed we uh, anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. And they were a wall unto us by both night and day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. And David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertaineth to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. So, like we said, David is very upset here. Uh, like we said last week there, uh, protecting these sheep night and day. Uh, certainly not an easy task, and the bigger the flock is, the the bigger the uh, ground is that has to be uh, grazed, so that's that much wider of an area that they've got to cover, and anybody can come along and says, hey, you know what, I kind of own this land, my family owns this land, Uh, you got to pay a tax, a toll, whatever, uh, wild animals come along because they hungry and uh, for some reason sheep are made out of meat uh, you know? uh, so people like to eat meat <laughs> and uh, so you got the all these issues there and uh, their wool of course was was highly prized because we, we see that just by them uh, throwing such a party at the sheep shearing uh, so you don't want someone to come along and start cutting off the wool for themselves it uh, little bit of a defeating of the purpose there of having a sheep. So uh, David has put in the effort here to protect uh, Nabal's property. And as we saw last week, the acting like such mercenaries, it was kind of a, uh, an unspoken rule, a, a, a gentleman's agreement, if you will. 
I watch your stuff. Once the money rolls in for you, you you, know, you give me a little bit of uh, you know help here, and it'll all be good. And, and David went about it in a very respectable way, asking for you know, can you give me a little something something here? Uh, and his response ends up being what is typical in that area there. Oh, you don't want to do nothing for me? Fine, I will just come and take what I want. And like we said, you've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, keep saying it, uh, Samuel having died, it, it really messed up David's moral compass here. He was not really following God spiritually like he needed to, and he gave in to his basest of desires. He's, he's taken such a beating from Saul uh, for many years now up to this point here, and he's just not going to take it from this little pipsqueak here who thinks that he's all big and bad. It, no, that ain't going to happen. So David decided, I'm going to teach somebody a lesson, and Nabal's the guy. I'm going to do it. So let's go back to verse number 15. In fact, we'll do 15 and 16. Uh, this is, of course, the, the servants of Nabal. They're talking to Abigail. Uh, but the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything. As long as we were conversant with them uh, when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us by both night and day, all the while we were keeping uh, the sheep. Uh, so as previously noted in verse 8, the servants were more than able and willing to verify uh, just how good David and his men had been to them in helping do their job. And uh, that should always be a good mark for anyone who does a job that others want to sit there and say, yeah, Good worker. And we, we've actually got a little bit of a situation going on where I work at right now. Um, some of the people have shifted. Uh, one guy left to go to a different part of the, uh, uh, the plant and all this. And even though the, that particular crew is up to full strength right now, you know, they got all six guys working. Uh, they can have 10 guys working. It, it don't matter. It seems like there's just one working because of how slow they have gotten because uh, more and more they're figuring out, A, this, these group, this group over here is not going to do anything. They're not going to move very fast, so it's bringing their morale down, their work ethic down to here. And then on top of it, they all know if they're not doing their part of the job, us drivers are going to jump in and start grabbing the product we need so we can get going. And that's taking burden off them, and that's giving them more of an excuse to just take their time. And it's a horrible thing to say because I literally got to the point today where I wanted to tell the one guy, look, I'm having to do your job and my job because you used to be a good shipper, and now you're not doing nothing. I bit my tongue because he could actually he could get worse, so I had to bite my tongue. But here, David and his men have got a good report. Hey, you want someone to watch your sheep? You go see David here, and David's got the men who will help out. Abigail, look, David's men know what they're doing. They everything was working out great here. Uh, every last one of these servants gave the same report, and they brought in every last sheep back to uh, the fold there. Uh, 
Nabal just was very rude and ignorant to the messengers and, by extension, to David. He had no civility to him whatsoever. Uh, Continuing on here, they really had made sure uh, that there had been no loss of any of the livestock, either from bandits or themselves, taking any sort of advance payment. Because, you know, you could think of it that way. Well, we're working real hard right now. Uh, you know what, how about just letting us have one sheep at the moment? It's one sheep. You're not going to miss one sheep out of 3,000. You know, let's be honest here. And this will just be an advance payment. You know, this, this ain't no payday loan here. This ain't credit card deal or loan sharks or anything. No advance payment. 3,000 went out. 3,000 came back, unless there were some extras that were born in, during the process of all this. Uh, but the exact number that came back was the one that was supposed to be there. Uh, no one was able to mess with the shepherds. I mean, they literally no one could even come up and start bullying the shepherds. Ah, look at you lousy, stinking shepherds, because here comes a great big guy with a sword on him. You're, you're messing with my boy? No, we're not playing that game. You ain't messing with my boy. So even the shepherds felt protected not just the sheep think about that for a moment how many times we get in this situation where it's man i really feel like it'd be nice if i could have someone here backing me up well the shepherds had backup it it was working out uh if it hadn't been for these men nabal wouldn't have been able to thrown the big celebration that he had thrown because quite frankly there wouldn't have been as many sheep so not as much wool, not as much uh, meat if for any animals that they did decide to slaughter. Uh, it all worked out for their good to have these guys there. Uh, now I wanted to read something here that F.B. Meyer had put down in his book, The Life of David, in regards to verse 16. He said, We must not think of David at this time in his career as a bandit or a plunderer, but rather should think of him as the improviser of a frontier guard to defend the land against the Amalekites and Philistines who were perpetually raiding the land at the time of harvest and sweeping away the, uh, the farmer's toils. Thus David became the benefactor and defender of his people, though exiled from them. In the common talk of the time, his men and he were described as a wall to the great sheep masters and agriculturists of southern Judah, both by night and day. And again, that's something else too, because the raids, you know, anybody, bandits come in to raid, take whatever they want. They didn't do it just in the nighttime. They'd come in, they'd they'd be gutsy enough to do it in the daytime. An animal, bear, lion, whatever, they'll come in whenever they feel like it to take what they want. Didn't matter. David's men were always there at the ready. And extension for us. We need to be at the ready, on guard for others, uh, as an example, how we take our prayer requests. Keep praying about these things. Write, the, write down the, the names. Write down what, whatever it is that's going on. Or take it home and pray about it. Uh, be a wall both night and day for somebody else, because you never know. That, that prayer that you pray right then and there could be something that somebody needs. I've had so many times... I'd be driving down the road. It's two o'clock in the morning. It's like, Lord, I just I need something right now. I I, I just need someone to be praying for me right now. And I just I know the situation changed without seeing it, hearing it, nothing. I just know the situation is changing. Like someone was praying. 
At that moment, someone was praying. And so often I would see where, you know, someone was posting, well, I was praying for this person, this person, this person, Dennis, this person. And it's like, and I look at the time, it's like, wow, really close in time. Uh, so God lays someone on your heart to pray about them? Pray about them. Uh, you're, part, you're making up part of that wall right there. Verse 17. Uh, now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. Okay. Now remember, they're talking to Abigail here. And, and I will bring this up yet again. This was a couple years before women's lib. The, the woman of the house, she's just the woman. She's not the head of the house. Yet these guys are smart enough to realize we can't go to Nabal because he's a moron. He's the one who's got us into this trouble. We're going to go to Abigail, who actually has a head on her shoulders, who can help us out here because we're dead men unless someone steps up. So they went to her and says, Abigail, please help us. What she do? She steps up. No one asked you to, to speak up here. Sorry, I forgot to... Lower the volume on my phone. Uh, but anyway, so here they go. They're talking to Abigail. Uh, and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Uh, so the servants, like I said, they're no fools. They knew their master well and that he was a fool. Uh, they also understood the common arrangements of the region of groups. Uh, who help protect the flocks should be taken care of at the proper time, and that David would have every right to be offended by this breach of etiquette. Uh, and of course, Belial, uh, that simply means a worthless fellow. They all knew it'd be a waste of time to try to talk to him. Uh, wasting your breath, don't bother. So they end up going to Abigail instead. Verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, and two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready-dressed, and five measures of parched corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. Now let's just pause here real quick. David's close enough by because he's been out there protecting these 3,000 sheep out on the prairie. So it's not like he's a three-day march away. He's close. She ain't got time to be sitting here putting this stuff together from scratch. In other words, they had all this stuff extra already. They had already made the preparations, and it, the, the table's been spread. Everybody has ate to their content. Their doggy bags have been packed up and shipped out, and they Still got food here. It wouldn't have hurt Nabal one bit because this stuff would have gone to, into the trash otherwise. Well, what did Nabal care? He wasn't about to give it to David. That's all it was. He just didn't like David. He ain't gonna give David nothing. They had it already. Verse 18. Uh, so there are times when we don't need to stop and pray about a decision. Common sense says, do something when it comes to danger. We need to act upon it. She understood that. That was the situation the household was in. Danger. What do we got? We got all of this food. All of this left over from the party. Well, I don't need to stop and pray to God. God, should I take this to David? 
It's already there. Pack the bags. Let's get to David ASAP. Uh, so Abigail loaded up the same stuff that her house, uh, that her husband should have given to the messengers. She brought what should have been the proper payment, showing she knew how to do business. And showed that Nabal didn't know how to do business, but she had a good head on her shoulders. She was smart. She should have been in charge. All right, so we've got cakes. Talks about the 200 cakes of figs. Uh, cakes are generally smaller than loaves, so he figured a loaf being about yay big or so. So the cakes, you know, going to be about down this size here. Uh, while we're not told their size, overall it would have been a pretty good size. So, you know, we're not talking a little bit cupcakes here. You know, we're talking a decent size. Uh, these are not the same size bottles that uh, we would find sitting on the store shelves as far as the uh, two bottles of wine go. You're not, you're not talking whatever size there. Uh, these are leather skins. So basically they, they skinned the deer and they sewed the one inch shut. So you've got a great big bladder full of wine here. I mean, it, this is a good size thing. Uh, so yeah, they, they would be easily able to take care of them for a little bit. Uh, verse 19, uh, and she said unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told her husband, not. Told you she's smart. Uh, she was going with this because the gifts might be enough, but at the same time, an explanation for the sudden change of heart would be necessary. And if it wasn't good enough to avert disaster, she needed to be able to plead her cause in person. Again, see how smart she is. Maybe David doesn't accept the food. Maybe David says, oh, that's nice. Too little, too late. So she goes along. David, I'm the one who sent it. Well, that's nice. Still too little, too late. But David, let me plead my cause. Well, now all of a sudden, she's putting him in a hard spot where he's actually got to shut up and listen for a change. Uh, okay, so uh, she didn't tell Nabal what she was doing, uh, nor the probable danger that they were in. Uh, because of his obstinate ways. It would have took too much time, and depending upon him, uh, not ordering, you know, he could have easily, you know, ordered the servants, you know, put everything back, don't do this, uh, argued with her over it. It was just best to keep him out of the loop. And we've all got those one people that we know of. It comes time to make a decision. It comes time to do something. They're the last person we want to know about it. Because as soon as they know about it, everything gets blown up because they've got to stick their two cents in. They've got to be in charge. They know what they're doing. Uh, you can't do that. All, all sorts of problems. Uh, so she's like, no, not going to deal with it. Uh, she knew she was no fool. She knew her husband was. And she probably figured, you know, he'd do something really dumb if she told him. So uh, let's just go behind his back and try to protect him from himself. Which, hey, she did protect him from himself. You know, that's, that's just being, you know, legit there because he didn't die that day because David came with a sword. God takes care of him later, but that's not the point. Uh, skip down to verse 22. 
uh, you know, let's let's go ahead and read verse 21. And David sa- had said, Surely in vain have I kept all this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertaineth unto him, and he hath quitted me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertaineth to him, by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. Uh, so David, like I said, he's acting very rashly. Uh, he has the cruelest of intentions. Uh, just that very last phrase there that pisses against the wall. Uh, you know, we all under, understand how, how that uh, works there. Uh, but he's, he didn't say that I leave any males. He didn't say that I, I make sure to slaughter Nabal and all of his sons. He literally took every human male that had anything to do with Nabal, Nabal, his sons, nephews, brothers, cousins, uncles, uh, servants, slaves, and brought them all down to less than animals to justify this. They they ain't even human. So I can do what I want with them. I'm just going to think of them this way, and I will slaughter them all. Uh, he's venting his life's frustrations at the moment. Like I said, he, he has been beaten up by Saul for years. Uh, th- this ain't just you know a couple of years that passed here either. I mean, there's roughly 10 years from when David first ran away to Samuel to the time that um, Saul finally dies in battle. And that's only about two years or so away at this point. So you're looking at it being about eight years up to this point that David's been on the run from Saul. It's he he doesn't even stop to pray about it. He doesn't you know well God should should I go and do this? Uh, he doesn't consult any of the uh, the Torah there you know the the, the five books of Moses because if he had he'd have saw that God said vengeance is mine. I shall repay. He would have been reminded of that. Instead, it's I'm sick and tired of this, and I'm not, I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to end him. And I'm not just going to end him. I'm going to end his line. I'm going to salt the earth more or less because there ain't going to be a single person. I'm going to do to him and all that pertains to him, just like Saul was supposed to do to the Amalekites all those years ago uh, when he was supposed to take Agag and the rest of them and slaughter them all. That's exactly what I'm going to do right here. Because he just can't take it no more. And that reminds us, we all need to have a moment uh, where we vent. We, We all need to have some sort of relief valve in our personal lives Someone that we can go and talk to, uh, we, we write things down just so we can you know, tear it up and throw it away, burn it, whatever, just to vent and get it off our chest. Otherwise, we're going to explode. You know, that, that is, you know we, we talk so much about that we've got two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we talk. But we've got such a big mouth so that we can get it all out what's on our hearts and it just a friendly face uh go to a therapist a counselor whomever trusted friend the dog <laughs> write an email before you hit send read through it 
and then delete it. Uh, send it, you know, type out a text, read through it, delete it, whatever the case is, just to get relief. David had been doing this for eight years and had yet to try to get relief. The dam broke. Uh, that, that's all there is for it here. Uh, his intention to kill every male uh, that pertained to Nabal, and I may be going over something I've already done, uh, makes little sense for them to do since they would also mean killing all those shepherds that he and his men had grown so close to over the past few months. I mean, did they not say uh, that they, they talked with them, they were conversant with them? Where was that? Uh, let's see. Yeah, as long as we were conversant with them. Conversant means you're talking. You're having a conversation, a dialogue. So these people that he's even gotten to know, he's going to kill them as well. So that means he's going to kill friends because he's mad at one man. Uh, his pride had been so badly wounded. Uh, he has had to take it from Saul, but he does not have to take it from Nabal. Uh, by wiping out every male, he intends to completely destroy his family line. Again, at, uh, in the line of uh, how he, uh, Saul was supposed to do Agag. Uh, David is so tired of the abuse and hounding of Saul with the now 600 families looking to him for leadership and supply. Uh, the acting mad to escape Gath. Uh, an enemy he should not have been hanging around with in the first place, yet he was. Combined with the murder of the priest by Dog and his own wife lying about him to protect herself from her dad, uh, it all just it finally reached the tipping point for David. Uh, his patience was spent, and he was about to take anything. Uh, wasn't about to take anything from this clown who was calling him a rebel and a traitor. After all, he's done for him. Uh, now these men are not even men to him; they are just animals. Thus demonstrated by his language. It is safe to say here that David is mad, and he ain't going to take it no more. Uh, actually, I think I kind of already basically said that about four times now. Uh, John Gill had this to say about this verse here. He says, Nor is his rage and passion to be vindicated, or the rash vow he made to destroy Nabal and his family, his crime, though great, yet not to be published with death. Uh, his ingratitude and insolence deserved resentment, but were not capital crimes worthy of death, and especially of the destruction of his whole family. The Jews indeed make him to be guilty of treason, in that he knew that David was anointed king, and yet both abused him and disobeyed his commands, and therefore being guilty of overt acts of treason, he and his were deserving of death, but David was not yet king. And because David was not yet king... David had no business trying to <coughs> hand down such a judgment. Uh, summarizing real quickly, verses 23 to 31, Abigail, she simply states her case and, and proved her wisdom. Uh, we'll skip down to verse 29. Uh, it says, Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life which the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. Uh, so without naming Saul, Abigail was talking about Saul because everybody knew what was going on. So that right there tells you that when Nabal previously had said, who is David, who is the son of Jesse, uh, he was asked, he asked both those questions because he knew 
He was just mocking David. He was rubbing David's nose in it like we would a dog when a dog has an accident. And she says here, look, we all know what Saul's been doing to you. Uh, Note the phrase, in the bundle of life with the Lord, uh, this is the position of all believers. We are uh, in the bundle of life because of what our Lord has done for us. Uh, She deliberately used this metaphor because she knew the story of David and Goliath, talking about the uh, the slings there, uh, and that slingshot was not the, the slingshot we use where you know, got the handle there and one fork goes this way and one fork goes this way and you pull the rubber band back. Uh, this sling, I wish I'd have thought to bring it. I, I've got a leather one I made. Uh, it, it's a long piece of leather with a little uh, pouch, if you will, in the middle. You place your stone there. One end of the leather is tied up and goes on your little finger, and you hold the opposite end, and you just sit here and you twirl it. And once you're ready, you release the thumb, and the leather opens up, and then it snaps that middle piece, so the stone goes flying out, and that's what gives it all its acceleration, so is that it's able to strike down the target. So that's the kind of sling that's being discussed there. Uh, so she knew David did that with Goliath, and she knew. Because David did that with Goliath, that David wouldn't understand what she's trying to get at here right now. Calm down, David, okay? Uh, God's got this one for you, just like he had it with Goliath. God's got it for you right now. Uh, Verse 31, quickly. uh, That this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offensive heart unto my Lord, uh, either that thou thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. Uh, So uh, she's telling him that one day he's going to be king. Please don't do this. God's going to take care of it for you. Trust God. And that's something we definitely all need to do a much better job of, trusting God to take care of us on it. Uh, Verse 32, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day, to meet me. Uh, so though he and his men would have been somewhat hungry, uh, David actually ended up letting all that food pass so he could focus on the wisdom of Abigail. Because remember, she told the, the servant, you ride on and I'm going to be right behind you. So they get there and the food's passing by and David's just like, see now this is the spread that should have came my way. Oh, the lady of the house. Okay, what do you got to say? And she does her little spieler. But you know, the whole time, these 600 men, they're looking at that food going, hmm, leg of lamb, yeah. Hey, hey, how many gyros you think we can get out of that lamb right there? Yeah. And they got the, the all those figs. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're going to eat good. Yeah, yeah, we got to go take care of Nabal first. But then we get to come back and party. This is, no, you're going to get to have the party now. You just got to let Abigail have her say. Uh, it is always trouble when God allows women to be in charge of his people. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened right here with Abigail. Like we said, uh, the servants bypassed Nabal. They went to Abigail. Good head on her shoulder, but every time you go into the Bible and you read where the woman is in charge, and I, again, before women's lib, God is bringing some sort of punishment upon his people. You think about uh, Deborah, the judge. What happened? The people were deep in the sin, and God sent her as a judge. 
you got the the one point there. I can't remember her name, uh, but um, the sitting, the reigning king of Judah, he was killed in battle, and she came and says, "You know what? I'm going to be queen." And she killed all of his sons except for the one baby who they managed to sneak away. And she was queen for the next seven years, and the nation was in bad shape. Go all the way to the book of Acts. When Paul, he, he's making his way to Jerusalem, and, and time and time again, the Holy Ghost is saying, don't go to Jerusalem. They get there to Philip's house. What happens? Philip's got those seven daughters who are virgins, and they prophesied. God's telling Paul, look, don't go. I literally just sent seven women there to prophesy problems for you if you go to Jerusalem. Don't go. Here's David. A woman comes to him and has to rebuke him. Has to remind him how good God is. Uh, there is a story about uh, Harry Ironside. Uh, he was uh, a pastor there at uh, Moody uh, many, many years ago. And he was out in California one time. And him and this preacher, they, they were walking and they were walking past this park. And there's a woman there in the park and she's preaching. She's giving out the gospel. And that preacher looked at, at Harry Ironside and he says, isn't that a shame? And Harry Ironside says, you're darn right. It is a shame. It's a shame that there ain't a man willing to get up there and do that. A rebuke against society. Here, David is getting rebuked. Uh, so, let me get back to what I was doing here. So, it's always a trouble when God allows women to be in charge of his people. He's put the man in charge back in the Garden of Eden. He created Adam first, then Eve. Uh, God himself identifies as male. His son is male. Uh, Paul instructed that the husband was the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church, Ephesians 5.23. So whenever God put a woman in leadership, the people were always off in sin. So David here recognizes that he was running headlong into sin and that Abigail came as his final warning. You can go past Abigail and you can go kill Nabal. You will be neck deep in sin for it. And David looks at her and says, wow. Talk about a neon sign. You win, Lord. (laughs) I quit. I ain't going to do it no more. (laughs) Let's go back to camp. I don't don't need the trouble. No, 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 no. Just imagine David as fast as he could turn around and heading right on back to camp there because he knew he was in trouble. So, uh, verse 33. uh, David says, And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Uh, So David had been intent on murder and couldn't think of anything that would have stopped him, but God knew what to do, and now he sees God's hand at work. Uh, He was able to fully understand what a rash and sinful vow he had made back in verse number 22, uh, and that in this case, the lesser of two evils was actually to break that foolish vow. Uh, so not saying that it wasn't a sin to uh, break the vow, but in this case it was definitely the better thing to do because he shouldn't have made that vow to begin with that he was going to go and kill all of those uh, men that were there. Uh, And again, for David to have done this deed would have been him uh, getting his own revenge, and we see in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, and again Paul writes in Romans 12, 19, Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I shall avenge. 
Uh, skip down to verse number 34. Uh, For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hadst hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. Uh, to make it official that David was breaking that sinful vow, he made a oath that invoked God for confirmation. Slightly different. We're in a gray area here. We're, we're definitely splitting hairs. Hopefully he had more hair on his head than I do to be able to split those hairs. Uh, but, you know, he's just giving great assurance. Look, Abigail, I promise you, I'm not going to sit here and tell you one thing and then go behind your back and still kill him. I'm... I'm I promise you, it's not going to happen. You made your case. You won. God is right. God is righteous. I'm going to go back. Uh, He just made his intentions very clear. Uh, uh, While he would have only killed all the males, uh, such a slaughter would have greatly hurt her as well. Uh, You've gotten, someone's got to bury all those men. Uh, and then, you know, how is she going to be running the, the farm with just a few, uh, the few uh, women servants? Now somebody's going to look and say, hmm, no men folk around. I think we'll just go ahead and move in and take what we want. Uh, the whole thing just totally falls apart for her had David gone and done that. So it definitely saved a great deal of pain because even if he never touched any of the women, they would have still been touched by his sinful actions, which reminds us that our sins have far-reaching implications. Uh, Any delay on her part would have been just enough for him to cross the line where nothing would have stopped him from his wicked plan. So it wouldn't have mattered if David had come over the hill and he sees they were just now marching out to him with the food. Too little, too late. We're coming in. Got there just that right moment there. Where it's like, okay, I yield. Uh, verse 37-38, And it came to pass in the morning, uh, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, he's sobering up, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone, and it came to pass about ten days after, that the Lord smote Nabal, that he died. Uh, so God had already had it ready for Nabal to die from a heart attack or a stroke or something along those lines, so David wouldn't have to murder him at all. David just had to have a little bit more patience. A very hard thing for a lot of us to have just a little bit more patience, but God will reward us for having just a little bit more patience. Uh, verse 39, uh, And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head, and David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. All right, so David's camp wasn't, like we said, all that far away from Nabal's property, uh, so he would have heard the news very quickly. Uh, the grapevine definitely loves to print all of the uh, Negative stuff, because we hear the negative so much faster than we hear the positive. And uh, David heard about it. And uh, divine justice has come through, and no one other than Nabal died for his sins. Uh, And, of course, that goes back there to the uh, uh, 
the Pentateuch, uh, where God says that the Son shall not you know, die for the Father, and the Father shall not die for the Son. Every man is responsible for his own sins. Uh, just because David abandoned his plan to kill Nabal doesn't mean that he didn't still resent the poor treatment that came from Nabal, you know, because David's human still. Uh, David has undoubtedly heard that Saul has taken away his wife, uh, Michael, and gave her to Falti as his wife. Uh, this would free up David to marry Abigail. Uh, this was wise of him. By, be, by using messengers, she was... Uh, she, if she refused, he saved face by not being there personally. Uh, he was a uh, poor man on the run, disgraced war hero, and uh, she was a beautiful, rich woman, widow. So if she said, nah, I got other suitors, David had been like, well, you know what? My servant somehow messed, me, messed up for me, so, you know, no harm, no foul, I'm good. Uh, David uh, was only anointed to be the next king, but here he shows his knowledge and adherence to Eastern customs in matters of marriage. These messengers were being sent to let her know. Uh, in no uncertain terms, he wanted her as his wife. Uh, he just wasn't a king, so she still had the ability to refuse if she wanted to refuse. Uh, verse 40, And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take, him, to take thee to him to wife. Uh, the custom of eastern monarchs was to command the woman they chose to come to their palace and be the new bride. Uh, like we said, uh, for an actual monarch, yes, yeah, she had no say so. Uh, and you think about over there in the book of Esther, uh, they told uh, Ahasuerus, uh, uh, what you need to do is you need to get you a new wife. Let's hold a beauty contest. And all the virgins in the kingdom were rounded up whether they wanted it or not. They had to come because it was the king's command. Uh, David here, not yet king. So she had the ability to choose for herself. Uh, verse 42. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her, and she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. Uh, so David married the only woman that ever did him right. Uh, he remembered how she appealed to the best in him. Uh, she was building him up where some of these others that he takes, you know, they undermine him, cut his legs out from underneath him without even trying. Uh, verse 43, we'll close with this. Uh, David also took a Hinnanam, of Jezreel, and they also, both of them, uh, were his wives. Uh, so this was uh, also an Eastern custom for a man to take more than one wife, uh, and it was prevalent in Israel. You go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2, uh, and we find that there's a couple of wives for one man right there, uh, but it was not allowed by God. Remember, God made Adam and Eve. He did not make Adam, Eve, and Lilith. And we got, I got into that with a, a friend of mine. She was asking me where uh, the wives for uh, Cain came from because her and her uh, 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 fellow co-workers uh, were discussing it, and I broke everything down for her, and she said they didn't want to listen to her about any of it because they were taught about Lilith, and Lilith was the first wife, and Adam had both of them for wives, and like, Lilith is not in the Bible at all. Uh, so, no, God designed marriage between one man, one woman, till death do us part. 
And uh, Jesus said, you know, repeated that there in Matthew 19.8. And the writer of Hebrews again, uh, Hebrews 13, verse number 4. Uh, while this marriage would unite the uh, uh, birthright of Judah, that uh, the birthright was lost to Judah back in Numbers chapter 17, uh, verse 12, and again in 13, 2 and 6, because Caleb ends up representing the tribe of Judah as one of the spies to go over into the land instead of uh, Nashon. Uh, so the, the birthright ends up getting passed over, but Caleb is has that descendant of Nabal. Nabal was married to Abigail. Abigail is his widow, so everything that Nabal had now goes to her. David, who is in the lineage of Nashon, uh, that brings everything back into line there. Uh, yeah, Nashon. Uh, let's see. So, uh, let's see, back with David's family, it was not a God-approved marriage, however, because David had already been married. Uh, and this leads to a great many troubles when you start bringing in multiple wives because uh, God does not approve of divorce. And Deuteronomy 17, verses 15 to 17, God explicitly told the nation of Israel, when you have kings, they are not to multiply to themselves wives. So God had already told them back before they were any, didn't even have judges yet, you're going to have kings. They're not to have wives, one wife. So David taking two wives here, top of the fact he was already married to Michael. Uh, like we said, that moral compass of his was definitely off after the passing of Samuel. But that is this part of David's life here. And uh, we will be in chapter number 26 next week. Uh, I'm wanting to say it actually begins in verse number 9. Uh, so whatever that uh, lesson is specifically there in the book, if you want to go through there and read that and see what's there, uh, we will deal with it then. Do we have any questions, comments, or concerns?